so we're meant to be looking out, watching for the coming of the Lord in power and majesty. But of course, by his Holy Spirit, he's here with us already. And it's so easy for us to keep our gaze so much on our troubles that we don't see him where he is right alongside us, right inside us, if we will only let him have his way. So this reading is from Luke chapter 12, starting at verse 32. This is Jesus speaking. Don't be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he wouldn't have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you don't expect him. This is the word of the Lord. morning everyone. I was with two friends this week and each of them happened to be an example of a couple of the things that we've just read about. Firstly I was with a friend and I was commenting to her that when life is tough or uh, there's something yeah there's something hard going on my instinct is to go all the way to the sort of worst scenario so that I've looked at it completely and know that God is bigger than that. Um, and But then the important thing is not to remain in that end of life, end of whatever it is scenario, but to come back and to live on a day-by-day basis of trusting God. And I said to her, I'm a bit of a specialist in imaginative what-ifs. And she laughed and she said, huh, I'm an absolute professional what-ifer. <laughs> and not only do I waste the most incredible amount of time doing all that what-ifs with my imagination, which feeds the most extraordinary amount of fear, but I don't only go down the main path, I visit all the little side paths of anxiety as well. I don't know whether that rings the bells for any of you, but that is a very natural thing that I think a lot of us do. What if? And it, it, it brings about fear, doesn't it? The second friend I was with, um, she said, she's unemployed and she is really bored. And she said, most days I say to myself, I could do this. I could do that. I think I'll just watch a DVD. And she knows that actually she's half asleep most of the time, not physically, but sort of in other ways. 
And really, her life is going by. It's not a great way to live. But it's very easy for any of us, possibly not every day, but to have that feeling of slump about us. Maybe sometimes that happens to you too. And Jesus in this passage deals with both with the fear and the anxiety and that sort of slump, that passivity that can overtake us. And um, so we need to hear what Jesus has to say. Uh, he says the whole of this passage, actually, and it's a great, look, extended bit of teaching. And it's all about the characteristics of the kingdom and how Jesus longs for us to grasp the kingdom, to live in the kingdom, to discover what it means and for it to be real, not just in theory and a wonderful set of beliefs so that we stand there with seraphic smiles, but so that we're living it in the real and every day so that it gives us resources when otherwise fear and anxiety or passivity could overtake us. And so our first verse here, and I love Jesus's tone um, in th verse 32. If you're looking at your Bibles, it's Luke 12, 32. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. That's what it's about. We have been given the most extraordinary resource. Extraordinary. Everything about the kingdom is so glorious, it far outdoes the most sublime experience or understanding we could have here. And Jesus longs for us to be able fully to receive it. But he knows that both fear and anxiety and passivity in their different ways can be a real blockage. So first of all, I want to comment on his tone. How easy to reproach us when we're being less than spiritual. But his tone in that little phrase, do not fear little flock. I love that. We are his lambs. You can probably picture sometimes in stained glass, we've just come from Staplefield, there's a, there's a good shepherd there. And nearly always, the good shepherd has one of those lambs on his shoulder, doesn't he? And when we are fearful, we can feel pretty little. We need, we want to be picked up by the shepherd who is stronger than we are. We long to know that his arms are round us. And we love to hear that tone, which is of love and of tenderness, not reproach, Oh dear, oh dear, got yourself into another mess. Fearful are you? How ridiculous. No, he picks us up and he begins to show us, to open our eyes to what the kingdom is like, which begins to deal with our fear. So he speaks to us of the kingdom and we can begin to grasp it. I think this is particularly a contemporary thing. There are two pandemics that we know about already, aren't there? One is coronavirus, the other is monkeypox. But actually, anxiety is another one. There is a really strong uh, pandemic of anxiety across society, and not just in our country. Mental health issues arising from anxiety, among a lot of other things, are, are really sweeping through lives. 
The toxicity of that, it can hardly be overstated. It's extreme. And one of the things that Jesus deals with here is that if we're feeling anxious, it can make us grab everything nearby and say, I'm not sure about the future, I'm not sure about anything, but at least I've got a smart car, or at least I've got a good house, or at least I'm going on a good holiday, or at all these athletes, we grab the stuff which is solid and which we can look at or we can wash or we can whatever it is. Or he talks about in, in the earlier passage about don't worry about food or drink or, you know, what you'll wear. The, the fuss, the desperation in, oh, we have a dog entering the, in the, the church. How delightful. Um, we'll soon have a worried walker following it. Um, we, Instagram is full of people panicking about what they look like. It is so temporary, but they've got to be thinner or they've got to be wearing the must-wear item or whatever it is. That is all about, isn't it, the immediate. It's meeting the need of I've got to feel right in myself, so I've got to have this stuff or I've got to look like this or I've got to wear this. And Jesus tackles that at root and says, let's go back to kingdom values. Let's go to the stuff which is eternal because there are no burglars there. There is no moth there. There is no social media there. Thank you, Lord. So you cannot be cancelled. You cannot be not good enough, not fashionable enough. The more we invest in kingdom stuff and eternal values, the less anything can be stolen from us because it is eternally solid. It is of eternal value. So this should, if you are of a fearful temperament or going through a particular reason at the moment, to feel fearful or anxiety. It is what Jesus gives us to grasp in our hands, to reassure our hearts. And the way that he, one of the things he he talks about is this business of of riches. I, I came across a little Roman proverb this week which says, money is like seawater. The more you drink, the thirstier you become. Whereas we may remember Jesus' words in John 4, whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So let's drink what satisfies now and the tap from the tap that will never have a hosepipe back. Never go to drought. Never cause us to feel scorched. Now, in the New Testament, there are lots of stuff about riches. And it is meant to spark us to say, I want riches. And what are they? Riches of good works, it talks about. Riches in faith. The unsearchable riches of Christ. What riches come to your mind that you have in Christ? Riches of salvation, of forgiveness, of fellowship with one another, of grace to live with each other, with love and with humor, so that you're a delightful person to live with. Riches of teaching and of discovery of the eternal things of God. These are all of eternal value, and they will never, ever let us down. So this first reversal of the Lord's, of the world's values, they say, be anxious, be fearful, look at the immediate, get it all right now, and it feeds all that panic. Jesus says, be peaceful, 
Be kingdom-minded. Be secure. And the second thing he says, as we saw with our warning lid beacon, is be alert. Because it is very easy, like the second friend I, I was quoting, to get into a sort of cycle of slump. Now, it's very interesting in this story um, that um, Jesus uses, um, the, he wants the, the servants to be alert and to be obedient. Well, of course, servants should be alert and obedient. But interestingly, the master is out. So they're not busying around because he's saying, will you please this and will you please that? The master is out. But they need to remain alert so that the minute that he comes in, they are right there for him, not fast asleep. And I don't know about you, of course, but isn't it so much easier to be spiritually alert when it feels as if God himself is busy? When we hear about wonderful miracles of healing or loads of people coming to Christ, or we go to New Wine and we're surrounded by 7,000 other people all worshiping their hearts out, brackets, and did you know that last week at New Wine, my sister was there, Two people who had been born profoundly deaf and had never heard anything at all in their entire lives were fully given full hearing. Now, that is just glorious, isn't it? And when we hear of that sort of thing, we wake up spiritually. It's so easy to pray because we're going, wow, God, you're amazing. And it, we turn to our Bibles, promises come alive. We listen out for his nudges. We get obedient. That all happens. We're the, we're the opposite of sleepy when God is busy. But there are times, aren't there, when we feel as if God has gone out. He appears to be busy with other people or with other things. And round us, it's all a bit quiet. He doesn't seem to be very exciting. He doesn't feel as if he's all that active. And we can get ourselves into a cycle of feeling disappointed and getting a bit drowsy spiritually. Then we don't hear his voice, which can be still and small, can't it? And then on the cycle goes, and we go, I'm not in a great way spiritually. And it's partly because we've allowed ourselves to be drowsy. So Jesus, for our own sake, says, be alert. This is not just theory for Peter and me at the moment, this business of kingdom living and of seeking to have an eternal perspective on everything that we do and everything we think, and everything we feel. Um, earlier this week, um, Peter had a diagnosis of fairly advanced prostate cancer. And it may not be limited there, and therefore there are further tests to see where it may be lurking elsewhere. The anxiety I have talked about is really natural. In fact, it could grip one. It could fill your mind. It could fill, your, it could fill 2 a.m. in particular. And I was slightly wrong-footed by a lovely friend who rang me um, actually on that day, lovely Christian friend. And one of the things he said was, um, don't feel you have to be too spiritual all the time. You must allow yourself time to grieve over this. And he is a dear. But I think there are two misunderstandings built into that. It was really kindly meant. But I think there are two misunderstandings. One is, he seemed to be implying that if we were grieving, we were taking time out from being spiritual. Whereas I find 
we all find wherever we read our Bibles, it is stuff full of people with very natural reactions to stuff. Moses frustrated, Gideon fearful, Elijah depressed. God knows what we're made of. He knows our natural reactions. And actually, this week, I've been quite tearful. Sometimes my brain has felt fairly foggy. But I don't think that God says to me, that's the opposite of faith. I can cry and trust him at the same time. Because the key thing is the difference between a a natural concern, which, which love gives rise to. Love, if you love at all, you are going to feel a loving concern and compassion. Indeed, many people choose their professions, their whole life, because out of the love of God comes that love and compassion for the vulnerable. So they might choose medicine or one of the other caring professions. That is godly and healthy and spiritually wonderful. But there's a big difference between that concern and that grip of anxiety and panic, isn't there? Huge difference. And the difference comes from our drawing on the resources of God, our having an eternal perspective. Just before I finish, I just want to tell you one little picture which God gave me on day one, which was really, really kind of him. I had a picture of the Lord standing very tall in a a long black robe, full um, sleeves, full skirt, as it were. And he looked as it were, the blackness was quite somber. Um, But as I looked, he opened the skirt, and within the skirt of his robe, I could see that it was covered in stars. And they weren't just um, sewn-in decorative stars. As I I focused on, on one of the stars, I realized that I was actually looking through the lining of the robe, to a real star. It was dynamic and radiant and twinkling. And that was the case of all the stars within this robe. And then he reached in to the lining, uh, into a pocket, which I had not been able to see. There were a number of pockets, and they'd been invisible to me before then. And he drew something out, a a gift or a treasure. And I, I, I don't know what that was. But my heart was so encouraged because I felt that he was saying, um, my, my nature, my business is redemption. It may look black, but within the darkness, I can bring about redemption and transformation. There is far more in here than you would ever know. And I can, from within, as it were, the inside outness, the lining of this, draw out things, and I will reveal them to you. And then I remembered that verse in Isaiah about his promise to give us the treasures of darkness. There may be many people here who have an area in life that feels dark. And I pray that that little picture will resonate with you and that you will be able to to perhaps to imagine it. Our imaginations are not just doing us a disservice by giving us what-ifs and fear. Our imaginations can grasp the symbols and the pictures and the promises of heaven, and they can live within us. And this has been an extraordinary week, a very soggy week. I, I, 
I cry easily, and so that's not that significant that I've been crying, but I do. But it's also been a very encouraging week, as God has given me every day a promise to grasp. And he has said just this to me, don't be fearful, do be alert. The second misunderstanding I'm just finishing on that was built into what my dear friend said, I think firstly, you know, it seemed to say, if you're grieving, you're not being spiritual. I don't think that's right. I think our emotions are natural. And this Jesus who calls us his little flock knows what we're made of. I think the second misunderstanding is that um, when we are um, being spiritual, we are in some way being airy-fairy or abstract. I think he was worried that I was in some way, to some extent in denial, not actually grasping the realities or the potential of this. Actually, I think the reverse is the case. Our God is so real, so practical. He has been nudging me this week, go and take a rest. Don't take that opportunity. Don't get too busy. Do eat this, don't eat that. Go and grab this promise because you need it right now. Go to the shade, <laughs> whatever it might be. I have felt his guidance in my life in a way that has been real to me. And I am so grateful for our future, unknown on a human level, but so well known to a heavenly father who has us in his hand. So for all of us, do not fear is not just airy-fairy, and it is not denying the realities of what we may be going through. It is Jesus' own heart advice from his heart to ours to enable us to grasp the glories of eternity and the joys and the peace which can be ours here and now. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you know every part of our vulnerability. You know everything that goes through our minds, everything that fills our feelings, everything that we can get caught up in, everything that can be any sort of a blockage between us and your eternal perspective. And we bring you all our baggage and our complications, all the stuff we're not proud of, all the stuff which is less than you. And we dump it with you at the, at the feet of the cross. And instead, Lord, we pray as we raise our eyes to yours, Lord Jesus, that you will replace all that with hope, with your promises, with faith, with eternal life beginning now. Because we are your lambs and we are so grateful for your tender and your strong love. So Lord, whatever we're going through, we want to glorify you. We want to do you credit in our reactions. So transform us because we can't in our natural reactions. Give us supernatural resources so that we can become more like you on this earth before we spend eternity with you. In Jesus' name, amen.
That's the God we believe in. A verse that I found most helpful this week is, God works all things together for good for those that love him. And if that's true, well, then he gives fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace. We can be at peace. I've came across a lovely line that joy is our act of rebellion against the world, the flesh, and the devil. And as a natural rebel, I just love that. (laughs) So as we stand and affirm our faith in the words of the creed now, we are making a statement against the world, the flesh, and the devil. We're saying, yes, we believe in a God who works all things, all things together for good for those that love him. It's just a case of our discerning and watching and seeing what is it? How are you doing it? What are you doing, Lord? You're amazing.